0: Hello. I didn't hear you come in. Must have left the screen door unlocked again. Well, since you're here, pull up an ottoman. Let me make you something to warm your bones. The year has died and the heat has left its corpse. It's chilly out. glass of apple brandy for you, and a tall glass of sour beer for me. A toast. If the ocean was beer and I was a duck, I would swim to the bottom and drink myself up. But the ocean's not beer, and I'm not a duck. So let's drink these pints and get messed up. Now that we're settled in, will you join me in drinking along with all the drinks we drank over the
1: last year of drunks? Wonderful. First up... Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Okay,
0: so this seems like a good point to mention. Uh, Something that's near and dear to my heart, but not necessarily that closely related to the film. And that's the official drink of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, according to Box Office Pulp. (laughs) I just took a big long drink of it. It's delicious. It's the Corpse Reviver Number 2. So, if you've never had a Corpse Reviver, there's a series of them. They were uh, a pre-Prohibition era drink. That was kind of designed as a hangover cure, or if you're just not feeling the morning, you have one of these and it works. you up. Uh, the ingredient list includes one ounce of gin, I use Hendrix, uh, one ounce Cointreau, which is a specific brand of Triple Sec, which is an orange-flavored liqueur, uh, then an ounce of either a Lillet Blanc or Cokì Americano, which is uh, a vermouth. So it's, uh, it's a fortified wine, so like a wine that's distilled with then alcohol like brandy, and then mixed with botanicals. Uh, the, the coki is considered the closer match of the two, but the little blank will work fine if you only have one available. Uh, after that, you drop in an ounce of fresh lemon juice, uh, a dash of absinthe. I had to look this up. A dash is an actual measurement. It's less than one millimeter, so roughly ten drops with a precision millimeter dropper, or about one-fifth teaspoon of absinthe. Uh, and when you're mixing this up, you just put the absinthe in the bottom of your, your glass. You kind of swirl it around to get rid of the excess, just enough to coat the bottom. So you get that little bit of flavor. You take the rest of the ingredients that I just listed, put them into a shaker with some ice, shake them up till the mixture is cooled, uh, strain that back into the glass with the absinthe. You take a lemon, uh peel that for garnish, and boom, you got yourself a corpse survivor. I went with it. One for the history, uh the the first recorded Like literature reference to a corpse reviver was in Punch Magazine 1861. So it's an old British drink, which I think fits in well with uh, the aesthetic of the Harry Potter universe.
2: I'm glad that we can always count on you to bring the mixology to the show. Always. uh, Since now, this is the first time it will be (laughs) moving forward a feature. Uh, So like I said before, it's kind of a
0: hangover cure, but it also works as like an appetizer kind of drink. Uh, I forget the actual proper term for that, like aperitif or something, whatever. I'm, I'm not that fancy. Uh, It's a little bit lighter than its cousin, the Sidecar, if you've ever had one of those. This is a very similar kind of drink, uh, just a different main alcohol. This one's gin-based instead of Cognac. And there's just a little bit with the absinthe that herbal complexity. So great. It's actually a wonderful drink. Not too sweet, not too herbal. It's a good blend of things, but it'll perk you up for a nice long movie. So besides the history of this thing, uh, I also really like the inclusion of absinthe since it gives it a nice thematic comparison to the wizardry of the film, thanks to kind of the dark and mysterious reputation the stuff has. Uh, it's got wormwood in it. When you're normally preparing absinthe for a drink, if you're just drinking absinthe, you, you normally distil, uh, dilute it with sugar cubes over these ornate slotted silver spoons with water dripping through it. It it seems like you're making a potion. You don't have to do that here since you're just using a little bit of absinthe, but the idea behind it, yeah, it all is association to me and it works I also found this fun vintage critique of absinthe uh absinthe makes you crazy and a criminal provokes epilepsy and tuberculosis and has killed thousands of french people it makes a (laughs) ferocious beast of man a martyr of women and a degenerate of the infant is is that on the bottle it should be that'd be a great sell it was on the wikipedia article uh it disorganizes (laughs) and ruins the family and menaces the future of the country There there were apparently a big push from the wine community to try and get absinthe banned from places because uh, <laughs> The wine like community. <laughs> yeah, apparently it was cutthroat business. Uh, and it worked too. Uh, a lot of places did not allow absinthe production until fairly recently. But God. in America now, you, know, you can get the stuff
2: fairly regularly. Uh, it's not too hard to find. It's not too hard to find. Where is the HBO show about the cutthroat wine industry? <laughs> it's out there Bitch, somewhere. I'll stomp you like you're one of my grapes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Harry Potter, uh, Harry
0: Potter. There was a Simpsons episode like that. Uh, so on top of all this, too, most of the liquors we mix are all clear for this drink. Uh, but the lemon juice and the absinthe. And when you mix those, you get kind of a yellowish green color, which I think works great with the, you know, the mention of the yellowy eyes of the basilisk and that idea it's a giant greenish snake. You put a lot of thought into this. I did. I'm very happy. I think this was a good fit. Uh, And besides, the name ties in pretty nicely with the whole plot of Tom Riddle, in my mind. He's trying to steal Ginny's life for us so he can resurrect himself. Not necessarily his corpse, but his life he wants to bring back, he wants to revive. And even more (laughs) appropriately, this is Harry Potter 2, and the second plot from Voldemort to revive himself, this is The Corpse Reviver number 2. It all fits together, in my mind. It's a good drink, uh, but to quote the book I found this in, the Essential Cocktail book from uh, Megan Krigbaum. Four of these taken in swift succession will
2: unrevive the corpse again. <laughs> so I'm stopping at a double. Unrevive. That's an amazing word. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got this drink for the first time
0: when I was in New England last year, and I was in this amazing restaurant. It was a brand new restaurant, but it was housed inside of this building from like the eighteen hundreds. They just decided to repurpose as a trendy eatery. And it, it stuck with me ever since then. I thought it was a drink they made up, only to find out later going through cocktail books. No, oh,
2: this is a legitimate drink that's been In America and England for years, (laughs) and it'll erase your memory of the night before, just like Professor Lockhart. (laughs) That's reason seven. I forgot to include that. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh,
0: uh, Well, wasn't that exquisite? But that's just a warm-up. Surely nothing can top our next piece.
1: Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban.
0: Speaking of whiskey, I think it's time we introduce our official drink for this Harry Potter movie. Uh hoo Last time, it was the Corpse Reviver number two. This time, we're drinking Sazeracs. So, the Sazerac is kind of interesting because it's actually like a proprietary drink. There's a Sazerac bar. There's a Sazerac rye whiskey. They have a lot of their own materials. So, if you're in New Orleans, you can actually have all of the officially branded stuff dumped together to make your drink. Not the case here. I don't have all those materials. If you have them, I encourage you to drink them. So if you're going by the letter, you make this with one cube of sugar, an ounce and a half of Sazerac rye whiskey, a one-fourth ounce bit of absinthe, three dashes of Pechard's bitters, and you garnish with a lemon peel. To mix this up, it's a little bit more complicated than what we did the last time, but you take an old-fashioned glass and you pack it full of crushed ice. Uh, In another old-fashioned glass, you put the sugar cube down, you add the bitters to it, and then you crush up the sugar cube. On top of that, you add the whiskey, uh, and then you empty the ice from the first glass. You coat that glass, now that's chilled, with the absinthe. Discard the remaining absinthe, because that stuff's really powerful. It's got a strong taste. You don't want it to just be absinthe. Then you empty the whiskey-bitter-sugar mixture into that chilled glass. You garnish with the lemon peel, and you're off to the races. Thematically, I kind of went with this one because the last drink we had was a traditional British drink. you know, It was from the 1800s. This one also has a long history, but this is an American drink. So it's that change that we also get going from Columbus to Curon. Not nationality-wise, but hey, just fresh blood. Also, the sweetness found in the Corpse Reviver due to the lemon juice here is replaced. Sure, you have the sugar, but it's not a very sweet drink. You get that blend of clove, vanilla, pepper, licorice from the mix and is a very different flavor profile a little bit more bitter than what you got last time and I think that flows along with this movie and its adjustment I need to interrupt myself here because we have to mention in that scene Alan Rickman put a whoopee cushion inside of (laughs) Daniel Radcliffe's sleeping
2: bag to me that is the most wonderful thing in the world I was so hoping you would hurry up and wrap that up just so we could get that (laughs) under the water I'm assuming everyone knows about that but
0: it, it bears repeating Alan Rickman putting farting machines on people just like... to
2: make a
4: child sad because he's having the <laughs> and Can you imagine Rickman reacting to it as it's happening? Oh, uh, uh, uh. oh the... you joke. There's
2: video of that. He's literally doing that. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually covers
4: his mouth briefly. Oh, like a Japanese schoolgirl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is, I would say, also his most iconic scene, just the uh. turn to page 300. Who can make turning pages sound mildly frightening
2: Remember when that was half of the marketing campaign for this movie? Just this scene? That's all they needed. I remember that being the moment I feel like everybody realized, oh, Snape is a pop culture icon now. (laughs) We should be using him more.
4: Also, Cody, can I say, I love your drink mixing. Can you just do that for every commentary from now on?
2: Yes. Oh, that was the plan. That was the plan. Uh, Not even just Harry Potter,
4: just all of in a movie.
2: You're yeah, our professor a professor of mixology. That's a given. That's the fun thing about
0: drinks. It's its own form of alchemy. It fits in very well with Harry Potter. <laughs> but as someone who enjoys drinking, it fits in well with
2: everything. Uh, I like the idea of you calling yourself an alcoholic alchemist. With this beer, <laughs> I shall conquer death. <laughs>
0: with this whiskey, I thee wed. Anyways, one, one last comment about the Sazerac before we move on. Uh, much as the third film brought in a new director and a new tone, a new Dumbledore new outfits, new everything, but kept it similar and in the same family. The Sazerac had to change from its original form multiple times because ingredients from the 1850s became harder to find throughout time. So we've gotten a modern variety that's actually different from the original, but still similar enough where you can say this is a Sazerac and that was a Sazerac. And that's perfectly encapsulating what this movie is. It's Harry Potter but it's a different Harry Potter than what came before. Not different enough where you
2: consider it a reboot, just different. You put way more thought into these drinks than I put into major life decisions, and I really appreciate that. If only it tasted good. Well, <laughs> yeah, actually, when prepared properly,
0: the Sazeric is a very, very good drink. Can that uh, be I the end of every
2: job. segment, by the <laughs> way? <laughs> you just take a big gulp. Uh, terrible. Garbage. No, this one I did a poor job. I,
0: I did not get all of the ingredients right. I'm I'm using a, a, a different whiskey than the rye they recommended. It's not a sugar cube. Uh, as explained to these guys before, I was messing around with confectioner sugar because it's all I had. It's, it's a mess. When these are made properly, though, if you go to a bar and have a real bartender make you one, you'll be very happy.
5: Farewell and adieu to your fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain, for we received
3: orders for to sail back to Boston. And so, nevermore shall we see
1: Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire
0: again. We're going to mix things up today. Instead of jumping right into the commentary, as you can tell we have not done that, Uh, we're (laughs) going to open up with the official drink for Box Office Pulp's commentary of Goblet of Fire. We're going to go through that recipe, then we're going to do the commentary. Instead of just randomly bringing this up halfway through the movie, this way you can drink along with us. So, let's jump into it. This one's a two-parter. you got to do a little bit of prep. First part, we're going to be making a raspberry syrup. So you're going to need 12 ounces of frozen raspberries. You're going to need three sprigs of thyme. You're going to need a half cup of white sugar. Uh, Don't be an idiot like me and get powdered sugar because you want real white sugar. You want that granular shit. A half cup of water, that one should be easy for anybody. And then this one's optional, but if you want a good, nice coloring on the syrup, you're going to want to get some brown food dye. And we're going to make this raspberry syrup a a really dark red. And you need that little bit of brown, like two drops of brown food coloring should do it. So with all of those ingredients gathered together, you're going to place all of them, besides the brown food coloring, into a saucepan. Uh, You're going to cook that over medium heat for just a few minutes, stir it all together, make sure the sugar dissolves, get that mix boiling. Once it's boiling, continue stirring, uh, pick up the paste, do it a little more frequently so nothing burns, and you're going to keep doing this until the the raspberries start to soften and fall apart. Once you get to that point, you can uh, remove the whole thing from heat, let it cool down completely, stir in the food coloring to get that color you want. Uh, that part's your preference. I mean, I don't think you're doing it right unless it's a nice deep red, but that's just me personally. Once you've got that syrup cooled off, uh, get a fine sieve and just filter it through that. So you get all the pulp and seeds out of the way. You're going to end up with hopefully enough syrup for roughly, uh, six of these drinks. You can make more if you want. It stores, uh, just put it in a sealed jar, throw it in your fridge and it'll last for like a week. No problem. Once you have that syrup ready, we can move into the second part. And this is where it gets fun because there's actual alcohol involved. So for the second part of this drink, you need two ounces Bacardi Superior Rum, uh, an ounce and a half of that raspberry and thyme syrup we just made, three-fourths ounces lemon juice, uh, two ice cubes. This part's fancy and optional. uh, But if you can get your hands on some silver luster dust, it's an edible sparkly dust that you can dump into drinks and it gives them a sparkly
2: shine. If you feel like you're drinking unicorn blood, you just dump that in the mix. <laughs> Why well, wasn't that your drink for the first movie then? Uh, I didn't know about this drink until
0: I started looking <laughs> around online. That's just bad prep on my part. Uh, also optional, and this one's the real pizzazz, uh, you get two teaspoons of a really high-proof rum. Uh If you can find Bacardi 151, I think that's been discontinued since, like, 2016. If you can find some of it, that stuff's fantastic. Uh, You're going to layer that on top of the drink and light on fire. Box office pulp does not recommend you start fires, but if you do, it looks hella cool. Wait, you can make a flame and mow? Pretty much, but magic. (laughs) So, uh, you take all the ingredients I just mentioned besides the uh, Bacardi 151 or high-proof rum, throw it into a cocktail mixer, you're going to shake that, Maybe 20, 30 rotations, make sure the ice melts, chill the whole thing down, strain it into a coupe glass or, you know, wine glass, whatever, something with a stem so your hand isn't warming up the drink. And that's it if you want just the basic drink. But if you want to make this fancy, you get yourself a cocktail spoon, put it over the surface of the drink, and then carefully layer the 151 over top. So you just have those two teaspoons sitting, floating on top of the rest of the drink. And then if you apply a flame to that, it'll go right up and you'll get a nice burning effect. You'll have the nice swirling silvery booze underneath. It's pretty cool looking. Uh, Anyways, this ones I should have started with a name, but it's the Burning Dragon's Blood. I found this recipe off of, hold up, let me get the actual site name so I can give credit where it's due. I stole this drink. I'm going to admit this fairly, but it was so cool I had to.
2: I have to say, I'm really disappointed you didn't go for something more dramatic since you buried the Lee on the name. And I call this drink Daniel Radcliffe's delicious asshole. Mm, It is delicious. Uh,
0: This came from theflavorbender.com. If you search for Flaming Dragon's Blood Cocktail, you'll find it there. I highly recommend it. It's a very tasty one. This one actually tastes good, unlike the other ones I've made. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The other ones I prepared poorly. That's why they were bad. Not that the recipes were bad. This one, it's just hard to screw up. It's easy all around. Uh, A little bit of, I guess, a little bit of elbow work to make this one, but it's worth it.
2: Is this why you're leading with this drink instead of burying it in a a lull in the commentary? I I would need a very long lull is
0: the problem. So, yeah, I, I had to start. As for the thematics of this drink... I mean, one, it's it's in the name. It's flaming dragon's blood. Harry Potter films have always had their fascination with dragons. So it makes sense to go that way. Plus, it's sparkly. So it does really remind me of the unicorn blood. So a little late on that reference, but better late than never. Uh, And also in this particular film, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with the whole three prestigious magic schools duking it out for bragging rights. So it made sense, in my mind, to have a really overly showy drink, one that you can light on fire, one that you have to have sparkly powder in, one that you have to do extra prep work for. You know, you can get drunk on rum, but this one's rum plus
2: hard work and uh, fancy (laughs) shit. I think you just described the formula for a happy life. (laughs) Just get drunk on rum.
0: It works for Johnny Depp. Um, uh, It works. I should differentiate him from his characters. It works great for Captain Jack Sparrow. (laughs)
2: It worked great for Johnny Depp until it stopped working great for Johnny Depp. Please don't sue us.
4: So folks at home, make that drink it, get in your car. <laughs> I, I like how we started with just telling people they should make fires and now we're telling them to drunk drive. This is <laughs> we're not going to jail for if any you reason can make I'm sure. It while name. you're driving, that would actually be better. And listening <laughs> oh, to the us. Decadence of that.
0: <laughs> and and the last point, I swear, before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, unless you're just here for the drinking. Uh This is also the last episode, really, of the Harry Potter series before they have to confront the fact that Voldemort's back full time, baby. So, you know, why not have one last childhood sweet drink before you get into all the dark stuff I'm going to be doing later on? You know, Dark and stormy and all that. Just one more fruity, sweet, sugary, fancy drink.
2: The kind of alcohol you enjoyed as a child watching Sorcerer's (laughs) Stone. Just, you know,
3: all that
0: rum you had as a child.
2: (laughs) You did not think this introduction through, did
0: you, (laughs) Cody? I'm going to be honest. I had a lot of rum when putting this introduction together. (laughs) So anyways, that is your burning dragon's blood. Now that uh, I'm assuming time has passed and you have one in your hand and you feel very fancy, let's get down to it. I had a dream, which was not all a
3: dream. The bright sun was extinguished, and the stars did wander, darkling the eternal space, rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung, blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went, and came and brought no day, and men forgot their passions in the dread, of this their desolation, and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for
0: light. When Lord Byron wrote those words, you be forgiven for believing he was just taking notes on our next movie.
1: Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Remarkable.
0: Before we start the commentary proper, I have to introduce the official drink for Order of the Phoenix, which is the Sicily. So you're going to start off with two ounces of really high-proof bourbon, like 100 proof, whatever the highest one you can get your hands on. Go for that. Uh, then you want a quarter ounce of Cynar, or if you can't find that, which I couldn't, Campari will also work. It's just a slightly fruitier taste, which is fine. Campari is available everywhere. Cyanar is hard to find. After that, you need a half ounce of Chinato, which is also super hard to find. So just any regular vermouth will do. So a half ounce of vermouth. Then you take one dash of Scrappy's chocolate bitters, one dash of uh, Angostura bitters, a pinch of salt, and one cherry for garnish. To make this, it's the simplest thing in the world. You just dump all the ingredients. Besides the cherry, into uh, a shaker with ice, stir it around about 30 times, strain into a whiskey glass over a large ice cube, garnish with your cherry, and away you go. You have one surprisingly boozy drink. So this one was created by Chasen Huggins, the lead bartender at Mr. Tipples Recording Studio, which is a wonderful name. I love that. Uh, and it was it was part of Vinyl Me Please's Miles Davis release for Sorcerer. So, in his mind, precisely speaks on the records unpredictable, brooding, hot, and at times, sweet nature, which in a nutshell, that's this film. And, I mean, specifically Harry Potter within the film. He's influenced by Voldemort. His school is being co-opted by evil forces. Dumbledore is pushing him out. But we also get bonding time between Harry and his godfather, his admiration for the Order of the Phoenix. There's a mix of different kind of flavors happening here, which is very true of the ingredients I listed above. There's a lot of very kind of distinct flavors happening here, but together they form a better part. Um, yeah, I also feel like I'm cheating because the album is named Sorcerer, and we're using this for <laughs> a Harry Potter commentary. But whatever.
2: I, I have uh, honest- to say that was beautiful, Cody.
0: <laughs> I'm not done yet, even. I should stop on my head. But the drink was named after Miles Davis's wife, Cicely Tyson. Uh, so the impact on families or the lack of love we have is a central theme in this film. So. Everything about this choice kind of felt right to me. You know, the family connections, all that. It's a little on the nose, but whatever. So there you have it. Also, this is a sip and drink. So. <laughs> you're going to this want is to a go sip slow. and drink.
2: Uh, that's one of your city boy sipping drinks, is it? <laughs> I mean, I made a double and I'm a little afraid of what this is going to do. Oh, can you please get wizard shit faced by the end of the show? <laughs>
0: Uh, If I had a couple of these, that would be no problem. Even the cherries I picked were actually rum-soaked. I don't know what I was thinking. Everything in here is alcohol. (laughs)
2: Except for the salt. Everything here is alcohol. The
4: Cody Alf story. (laughs) Guys, I don't even know if we're talking right now. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm wizard shit-faced. Who
0: knows? I could be speaking snake. I almost said snaking speak, and
4: I haven't even started this drink yet. This is going to be a long one, isn't it? Oh, boy. boy. It's... Uh, I, I, Faith, fear,
0: and fandom in the time of Patrick Mahomes. The decade Disney won. Lost in the valley of death. I became a cyborg to manage my chronic pain. Am I falling in love or having a manic episode? The brutal mirror. Secret tricks hidden inside restaurant menus. No, you don't really look like that. When the body attacks the mind, hallucinations are everywhere. Meet the marathon cheats, the curse of the honeycrisp apple, the rise of anxiety baking. Always protect the downside, the case for professors of stupidity. The bath bubble, American trash, the sea was never blue, the misery of company. It appeared that we had time. Mmm, a tasty piece of Dada's poetry, sourced from fresh articles online. Eh, rich flavor, although not nearly as appealing as our next film. Insert movie title here. The
1: Witches.
0: I mean, we could sit here and talk about diabetes all day long, but I'd much rather talk about my personal poison, alcohol. So before we get into the commentary proper, uh, I've got a mix for everyone who wants to get into the witch's spirit. This is a drink called Barm Brack. And boy, if that doesn't give you the willies. So it's a two-part recipe. You got to do a little bit of prep work here. One, we're going to be making a raisin syrup. So you're going to need a cup of raisins uh one and a quarter cups of super fine sugar and seven ounces of hot water you're gonna dump those raisins into a medium saucepan toast the raisins over a medium heat until fragrant about five minutes you want to make sure you don't burn the raisins or else you've destroyed everything it's be god awful uh after the raisins have been toasted add the sugar add the hot water be careful this could cause some steam so it might set off uh smoke detectors Uh, so you can just pour and stir, pour and stir slowly as a tongue twister to make sure everything gets distributed evenly and you don't start your house on fire. Once everything's all stirred up, let that simmer for about 10 minutes. You can get a really good bubble. Uh, I like to scrape the edges every once in a while to make sure I'm not, you know, going to burn that syrup because it's a lot of sugar in there. Uh, let that cool down completely, strain into a jar. You don't want the raisin bits left over. You just want the syrup. You can go ahead and cover that, refrigerate it. Uh, it'll last for like a month. It's indestructible. Once you have that syrup, we're moving on to the actual drink mixing part. You're going to need two ounces of a single malt Irish whiskey. You're going to need a half teaspoon of St. Elizabeth Allspice... I can't say these words. Allspice Dram, which uh, if you can't find that specific one, I guess whatever rum-based allspice liqueur you can find sitting around at your drugstore. Uh, You need two-thirds ounce of that toasted raisin syrup we just made. You're gonna need a half ounce of heavy cream, one large egg yolk, not the whole deal. You don't need the entire egg. You don't need the whites. You want to separate out the yolk. It's gonna give it a little bit of a nog flavor. Uh, a pinch of salt, and for garnish, you need a pinch of nutmeg. So get yourself a chilled glass. Mix all the ingredients, but the nutmeg together. Shake well. You want to make sure that egg is distributed evenly. So stir that up pretty well, and then garnish with some nutmeg, and you get a brownish, brackish, creamy, spiced drink, which is actually in honor of the old Irish Halloween bread, Barmbrack, which uh, is actually currants and raisins and bread. I didn't want to eat that. I wanted to drink, so we got this instead. So traditionally, also, in that bread, you would get coins, rings, weird things like peas, baked inside. It's kind of a fortune-telling game, a trick-or-treat deal. So I know this isn't an Irish movie that we're about to watch, but, hell, Tales of Witches go back as far into history as I can think of. So, making a drink with a lot of tradition behind it, something a little
2: archaic, made sense. And it's it's vaguely Norwegian, so it's kind of it's in the European territory. <laughs> it's not American.
0: Also, when you're making the raisin syrup, you get you know this bubble, bubble toil and trouble deal with the the syrup as it foams. So that's you know close enough to feeling like you're sitting some modern witch over a cauldron, even though you're making a syrup which could harden and destroy all of your cookware. So I haven't actually tried this drink yet. It's been sitting out as we prepared to record. So I
2: might get Salmonella. Everyone that's prepare yourselves. We're going to find out if this is good or not. To be fair, that's a possibility with every podcast. Also, I just want to point out, I feel mm-hmm. like most of the decisions you make can be can be uh, punctuated with, but I wanted to drink instead. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually delicious. Ooh, nice to know.
0: Uh, it's it's very creamy. It tastes a lot like uh, eggnog, but I went kind of over overboard on the dram, so it's got a little bit more kick. Just a hint of raisin in the aftertaste. I don't know how you guys feel about raisins, but I'm crazy for them.
2: Oh, I, I'm I'm borderline crazy about those raisins. Hey, that's actually why we're here today. Our sponsor for today's show is
0: the Raisin Company.
2: <laughs> Just a California raisin. <laughs> He's leaning over me with the gun. Come on, guys. I don't know
4: how much longer I can last.
2: Give him the raisin puns.
4: Did a California raisin ever make you hungry? No,
0: No, it reminded me of mortality. Are you talking about like eating one of the California
2: raisins? Yes, eating one
0: alive
4: while they scream, preferably.
2: And play the saxophone. No, actually, I never thought about that. But they're
0: they're probably endangered. I mean, if you kill one of those guys, you can eat for a month. There's so much raisin inside of there, so much
2: like fiber
4: yeah i like this idea
2: i mean i am convinced that this entire uh obsession with movie-based drinks you've leaned into lately is just an elaborate plan to turn me into an alcoholic
0: i mean most of these are fairly small drinks and we're doing a commentary so i can't get up and get more so you know it's you can only get so buzzed unless yeah, one of the drinks turns out to be just drink all of this 100 proof rum just drink it <laughs> drink the bottle <laughs> If that's ever the movie commentary drink, folks at home,
2: don't listen to me. I've gone mad with power. <laughs> the final, the final Harry Potter movie was like, here's a fucking bottle of absinthe. <laughs>
5: I drink
2: do it have up, that sitting left boy. over.
0: That was like thirty dollars. I got to drink that stuff someday.
4: And remember, if you, um, if you want to celebrate Halloween, preferably, and as I usually say when it comes to these commentary drinks, make it Get in your car. <laughs> and get your car. box office oh. Head through the neighborhood where and just dodge children dressed as ghosts.
2: <laughs> Make those costumes real. We're
0: actually going to have an update on this podcast in a week where I'll tell you I had horrible salmonella poisoning from letting that egg yolk sit out too long. If you don't see the update, assume I died. If you do see the update, assume it was fine and it's not a problem to let it sit and kind of mellow for a while. Anyways, the witches.
3: You're fond of me cocktails, ain't you? I seen it. You're fond of me, cocktails. Say it. Say it! Damn ye. Let Neptune strike ye dead, viewer. Hark! Hark, Triton, hark! Bellow, bid our father the Sea King rise from the depths, full foul in his fury. Black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with pungent slime. To choke ye, ye organs till ye turn blue and bloated with bilge and brine and can scream no more. Only when he, crowned in cockle shells with slithering tentacles... Tail and steamin and beard take up his fell befitted arm, his coral tyne trident screeches banshee like in the tempest and plunges right through your gullet, bursting ye a bulgin blackguard no more. But a blasted, bloody film now, and nothing for the harpies and the souls of dead sailors to peck and claw and feed upon, only to be lapped up and swallowed by the infinite waters of the dread Emperor himself. Forgotten to any man, to any time, forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea, for any stuff for part of you, even scantling of your soul is no more, but is now itself the booze. Anyways. The Halloween Tree.
0: It was just magical, a real treat. Now, originally, since the Halloween treat takes place over all of these different countries of the world, I was I was going to get into this. I was going to find something that represented Egyptian booze. I was going to find something that was English booze. I was going to find something that covered all the different places we see in the movie. And then I realized that was going to be very hard and it was going to be weird when I was mixing tequila with beefeaters gin. So instead, I took the lazy way out, which I'm going to recommend to all of you guys. Tonight's drink is called the Jack-O-Lantern. You can find it pretty easy just by going online. There's a thousand some Halloween cocktails out there, and some of them are pretty cool. I picked this one because it's very easy to make. Here's the ingredients. You get yourself one ounce of cognac, a half ounce of Grand Marinere, an ounce and a half of orange juice, a half ounce of ginger ale, and then you can garnish it with uh, fruit if you choose. Some blueberries, maybe some cherries. That's up to you. Your personality will come forward. Instructions, super easy. You take all those ingredients except for the fruit that I just mentioned, blueberries or cherries, throw in a cocktail shaker, shake well, strain into a martini glass, throw those fruit back in there, and you kind of get a spooky black effect on those. You get a nice orange color with the drink, but it's almost like a social punch because you got that uh, ginger ale in there and the orange juice. So it feels like a party drink, even if it's just you sitting in your house watching a movie from when you were a child and crying, just like a party. I'm drunk already. Speaking of which, time for the ceremonial sip to find out if I made it right. Mm. Ooh, that's tasty. That one I actually would recommend. I should really try these before I recommend the recipe,
4: but... No, because I'm waiting fun. for the day you do the sip and immediately follow it up with, folks, ignore everything I just said. Do I have not All this. over
0: my belongings. To be fair, I was trying pretty hard last time. I made raisin syrup and mixed it in with like allspice and nutmeg and an egg yolk that one i was counting on being disgusting it was actually pretty tasty it was like i made my own eggnog
2: i, I still one of these years our commentary is going to begin with you taking a sip and then sounds of silence plays in a loop for two hours
1: <laughs>
2: Crits.
1: <laughs>
0: It'll actually be me in front of a fireplace. That'll be our first YouTube video, just slowly <laughs> sipping a drink.
4: I'm sure that's like a, a YouTube phenomenon or something, watching people sip drinks.
0: Uh there was a Christmas special, like where they had Ron Swanson sit down and drink whiskey for an hour, I think. And that was that was literally. It. He didn't say anything. It was just him sipping whiskey in front of a fireplace.
1: Oh, that's yeah. better than
0: the
2: eulog. I watch oh, yeah. Ron Swanson do that. Why not? By the way, I love how he's just Ron Swanson. No, yeah. no that, that other man. <laughs> I honestly
0: forgot the actor's name, so I'm like, I have a story to tell, and I'm just going to push forward with his alias.
2: <laughs> and now I've been called out. Damn it, That's, the show's it's, ruined. It's like Childish Gambino, it's just another alias. It's just another version. This is, is uh, Aladdin Sane.
4: Magnificent lumber.
1: Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince.
0: Before I explain to you how commentaries work for the sixth time, we're going to go into the official drink. Are you ready? This one's nice and simple. It's the Dark and Stormy, a classic drink you probably had before. Three ingredients. Two ounces dark rum, five ounces ginger beer, and a lime wedge. Nothing to it. Instructions, get yourself a uh, tall glass or put some ice in the glass, pour the rum over the ice, add the ginger beer, squeeze a lime into the drink, and you're there. That's a uh, dark and stormy. Now, that pick might seem a little counterintuitive considering, you know, this movie takes its title from Snape being an alchemy potion master. and Instead of doing anything fancy here, we're just dumping three ingredients into a glass. I can see why this is a little bit underselling that concept. And even if you look at the movie, we have a really full story. Draco has his own subplot. Dumbledore is after his own mysterious ends. Harry is dealing with school, love, luck, Dumbledore schemes. There's love stories left and right, characters weeping we don't really care about. It seems like a lot is going on. And a complex drink would stand a reason would fit that. Instead, though, I went with a classic. Simple cocktail. And that has to do more with the look of the film, which is dark, gloomy, You've got rain and snow almost every single time we see the outdoors. When I think of this Harry Potter film, I think Dark and Stormy. So why not have a drink with the same name? Also, I didn't have to buy any new materials, and that was awesome. Also,
4: I think it's just fun to say Dark and Stormy.
0: Dark and—and and it's not and. It's Dark, apostrophe, N, apostrophe, Stormy.
4: <laughs> oh, that's even better.
0: That's it's like
2: that's how official... we uh,
4: title Bop in a movie. Yeah
2: little, uh, accidental symmetry there. I like it. (laughs) Also... (laughs) I planned this all along! Drunken symmetry. Also, also if you have a guest over that you're not too familiar with, do not open with, would you like me to give you a dark and stormy? Uh, that evening is going to end abruptly. (laughs) Or not, depending on the person. Maybe they're into a dark and stormy.
4: I like this litmus test. (laughs) I feel
2: like it's like a rusty venture. Everyone has their own idea of what it is in their head. I was thinking it was like sex dice, where you just roll them and
0: like two different actions pop up.
4: Oh, it's like anytime um, I meet somebody new, I just uh, laugh one of their jokes and then get very serious and go, Would you like to see my collection?
5: Yeah. All right, now we got an extra special show for y'all tonight, boy. I tell you. Really? What's so extra special about it? Well, tonight's show is a clip show. Oh, a clip show? What's a clip show? A <laughs> clip show is where we say stuff like, Boy, we should have had some good times together, and then we stare off dreamily, and the audience gets to watch highlights from past episodes. I think I understand. (laughs) Let me demonstrate. G.K.L., we should have done some crazy things in front of this.
1: Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. But more important than that retraction and me not knowing
0: my book material, uh, Alex also sent in a recipe for alcoholic butterbeer. And I've been resisting that because I've had some butterbeer recipes that have not been great in the past. But this one was so simple, I couldn't not try it. Plus, I mean, I had another drink in line, but I had to throw that out when someone sent me a recipe. Because how cool is that? Everyone at home, if you just want to send me liquor ideas, please do. You this can send those battle. to Twitter at box office Pulp. Send me all your cocktail designs. Guys, Please don't guys someone them. sent
4: me this delightful cocktail book. It's called the Anarchist Cocktail <laughs> Book. I'm very excited to use
2: it. <laughs> I was going to say, this. you know this is how we get sent anthrax, Cody. <laughs> oh no, I've delicious, been burst to anthrax.
4: Deadly mustard gas. <laughs> it was weird they had me boiling gasoline, but hey, I'm looking for a good buzz. Uh, along those notes,
0: I am trying to make a cocktail right now that involves letting a bunch of smoked cheddar float in a jar of rum for like two days. So I'll try anything. <laughs> it's called fat washing. It's going to catch on. All the all the hip bartenders going to be doing it someday.
4: Get to your butter <laughs> beer, Cody. <Anyway, Freddy.
0: laughs> to the butter beer. So one, I really like this because it only has two ingredients, which I can tie into the fact that this is a two-parter finale. Twos, numberology, woo! Uh, Also, a friend recommended it, which is really cool because, I mean, we're ending Harry Potter. It makes sense. I go back to the beginning of Potter, the most famous drink, something that ties into that whole idea of unity, friendship, families being made by the bonds we choose rather than are forced upon. I'll take it. Sure. So, exactly. Give me me something. I just wanted some butterbeer. So, this one's a little different. Typically, the butterbeer recipes out there that I've seen recommend cold butterbeer, or you end up making your own syrup. This one, nothing to it. You get yourself uh, cream soda, any brand that you prefer. Uh, really, any of them will do. And then uh, some butterscotch snops. That's it. Uh, you want probably, I wasn't actually sent quantities of either of these. So, when I made it myself, I just took. One bottle of cream soda, dumped it into a saucepan. I took uh, 1.5 ounces of butterscotch schnapps, dumped that in, turned the heat up to medium on the saucepan, let it go for just a couple of minutes to warm the whole thing up, threw it in a mug, put a little bit of whipped cream on top, which is definitely not necessary and more of a mess than it's worth, and it's amazing. For a two-part recipe, this is the shit. Like, it, it, I don't even like cream soda, and this is fantastic. So... I would highly recommend this to everyone, super easy to prepare, easiest thing in the world, doesn't even cost much to get butter, uh, butterscotch schnapps, it's like $8 at a liquor store. Uh, Brent also recommended that if it's the winter time, you can do it warm. If it's the summer time, uh, just get some ice cream, cream soda, the schnapps, put it all in a blender, and then top with whipped cream, so you kind of get a smoothie deal, which sounds delightful, but it's also snowing outside my apartment right now,
4: so no bueno. So when do we open an official box office pulp bar?
0: I have all the liquors sitting on top of my fridge right now. It's getting overwhelming.
2: I like to think that you never drink any of the drinks that you prepare for these podcasts. You just sit each of them on your mantle, and they're just filled with flies now. Guys, I'm running out of mugs. I need help. Anyways, folks,
0: I'm going to give you a second here to go make some alcoholic butterbeer. You might take a minute because you've got to go buy soda. Whatever. You know, you do you. It's going to be worth it. Get that. Heat it up. Don't heat it up too hot or you'll scald yourself. Common rookie mistake. Lord knows I've done it a thousand times making this kind of stuff. All right, are you back? Got your drink? You scalded yourself, didn't you? You burned your tongue. Ah, I warned you. Anyways, put the drink down for a minute, let it cool off, and we're going to start up our commentary series, so you're going to be stuck here with two hours, 26 minutes-ish of talk over the movie while your drink cools down. It's perfect. So, Mike, you got us all queued up?
4: I I, I just, I love your your little banter with the audience who isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> they know what i'm saying they're on my side they know and i remember <laughs> they are not so i refuse to believe that or i'll have to abandon this fucking show um remember folks as always like we say every time we um every time we lay one of these drinks on you gulp it down get in your car <laughs> oh god And
2: make sure the police who find your body know you died listening to box office pulp.
3: You can't take me down! I'm a Harry Potter! I'm flying! Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. Sorry, wait. Hold on. viewer. Have you ever found it odd that Vincent Price said y'all's
0: neighborhood in the thriller monologue? I mean, don't get me wrong price sells it, but why even write that line in the first place? It totally breaks with the style and tone of the rest of the lyrics. Considering how big a success Thriller was, which taking a step back, that's amazing in its own right, isn't it? Who would have guessed that a six minute long single popularized as a John Landis music video could somehow sweep the nation and still be danced in high schools decades later? Anyways, you'd think there'd be slightly more polish to that.
1: Uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Sure.
0: Moving on to things I can actually handle. Alcohol. Tonight's drink, the Coquette. Mm -hmm. You're going to start off. eh, It sounds fancy and it tastes fancy. You're going to start off with one ounce of cranberry vodka, preferably Deep Eddie's. Then you're going to take a half ounce of peach schnapps. I use mine out of a plastic bottle, which is a mistake. Get the good stuff. Then you want two barn... Barn. I can't even say words today. This is terrible. Two bar spoons of Cointreau and three ounces of champagne. Uh, personally, I use uh, uh, Brut uh, Cava. I don't know enough about champagne to understand those words, but that's what it said on the label, and that was what was recommended, so that is what I bought. Also, the champagne I use today has been sitting on my fridge for exactly one year. Uh, I, so I'm glad to report champagne apparently does not go bad. That's our learning lesson for today. If you pop open champagne a year after buying it, it'll still be fizzy. So I'm so happy. Uh, also, if you have trouble opening champagne bottles, because that's my biggest fear in life, is just I'm going to blow my eyeball out with a cork. The trick is you take like the little metal wires that are around the cork. You twist six times so that it comes loose, but it doesn't come off. Then you hold onto the cork and you rotate the bottle with your free hand. And if you do this slowly enough, the cork will start pulling out, and it'll get caught by the cage and your hand, and you won't have it fly across the room, and you won't shoot fizz everywhere, and no one's going to lose an eye, and you're not going to have a hole in your drywall. All my worst fears were avoided. But There we go. Thank you, Internet. You saved the day. And I finally got to drink my champagne I was terrified of. <laughs> I've been thinking of it as like a time bomb in the back of my fridge for the last year.
2: <laughs> I like the idea of this champagne bottle being your version of Hellboy's Angel of Death. <laughs> it been sitting there mocking me every time I open that
0: fridge. I just want my slow cooker kettle out. I don't I don't want to think about you. Anyways, folks, I've given you the ingredients. Let's combine these into a drink. One, you're going to take the vodka. You're going to take the schnapps. You're going to take the Cointreau. Put them all into a, uh, a mixing glass. Inside that mixing glass, toss your ice in there. You want to shake the whole thing for about 20 seconds. Strain that into a chilled champagne flute, top with the champagne, and then take just a, a swath of an orange and put that into the drink. And you have yourself the coquette. So this cocktail was actually cribbed from the Vinyl Me Please Record of the Month service. Uh, and it was curated by Brittany Metheny from the Alamo Draft House in celebration of St. Vincent's latest album, Mass Seduction. Uh, in Bethany's words, St. Vincent's music does an incredible job of integrating dark, sometimes heartbreaking, poetry with poppy beats. The result makes you want to shake your ass on the dance floor while simultaneously crying into your drink. And here, at the very end of all the Potter films, if you take the lingo about music and switch it to movie viewing, I think you have a close approximation of what we're going for here. Plus, it's champagne that I've been holding on to for a year out of fear. That seems like a good thing to celebrate with. <laughs>
2: Would you say that this is your final crux? It
0: is. After I
2: drink this, my liver finally dies. <laughs> oh, oh, Oh! I have a better one. I have a better one. Oh, oh. Would you say that this opens at the close? Oh, it's my chamber
0: of secrets filling out. I'm out of witty things to say about getting drunk in Harry Potter. I'm sure there's many more online, but those are not for me.
4: No, it's not so, that kind of
0: podcast. It's not, unfortunately. So that's tonight's drink, everyone. Uh, if you're into fizzy things that have a strong fruit flavor to them, I think you'll get a kick out of this. It's all alcohol, so, uh, be careful. I made mine as a double, and I'm going to slowly go through this so it doesn't kick my butt too much. Although, I don't think anything here is super, super high ABV. Vodka, schnapps, cointreau, champagne.
4: Cody, it's really putting me off that you're not annoyingly pronouncing it champagne
0: champagne (laughs) Mmm, velour. Ah, the French champagne. Uh, if you want to hear some really bad pronunciation, the specific type of champagne that was recommended is a Segura Vudas? V, v-, v- i u d a s, v- Vudis? Vudas? I'm offended. Oh, no. I'm sorry, France. A pig had insomnia and decided to see a doctor. The pig says, Doctor, I've been having these terrible nightmares and I can't sleep. Can you prescribe me some sleeping pills? Doctor says, can you describe your nightmares to me? Pig says, they're all almost the same. First a human lures me with food, then he kills me and he cuts me into pieces. Then he rubs salt all over my flesh while saying the same scary words over and over again. Bacon, mmm. Bacon, mmm. Please, Doc, you gotta help me. So the doctor says, ah, don't worry about it. No need for sleeping pills. Looks like you're going to be cured soon. Hey, you've been a great crowd, you're. I'll be here all week. Up next is the main attraction, so uh, make sure to give a big round
1: of applause for... Clue with special guest Carter Lee of HorrorMoviesHub.com
0: Oh, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but the drink for the night, it's a mystery because we didn't do in the open like we normally do, is the Minty Orchard. So to make one of these folks at home, you're going to need four ounces of Angry Orchard Crisp Apple, or honestly any crisp apple apple cider will do, uh, an ounce of vodka, a half ounce of creme de menthe, which comes in clear green. There's no difference in taste, uh, so whatever they have available. We're trying to make this a green cocktail in honor of Mr. Green, so you can either use the darker green, green creme de menthe, or the clear will work just fine. You'll get a nice light green. Uh, then you're going to need a quarter ounce of lemon juice and a mint to garnish. To make this sucker, all you're going to do is combine the vodka, cream de menthe, lemon juice in a mixing glass, shake for 30 seconds, strain into a rocks glass filled with ice, top with your uh, crisp apple cider, throw mint on top, and boom, there you go. It's minty, it's sweet, it's all you could ask for, and it's green, so it feels appropriate for the film because I was too lazy to look up anything more thematically rich. (laughs) I call it the Cluedo. The (laughs) Cluedo. I really wanted to make one that tasted like the mystery flavor you get with
2: dum-dums when they're between matches, but I don't think that exists as a drink. Now, what what would have been a really good deep cut was have it taste like monkey brains. Oh, damn. There's a drink like that. You get, like, some uh, Baileys, and you pour it into peach schnapps,
0: and it kind of curdles inside the schnapps and makes, like, a weird brainy texture. You take it as a shot, though, and I don't feel like doing shots during a commentary.
4: Oh, let's fucking
2: talk about some glue.
4: One day you will, and it'll be glorious.
2: (laughs) Save that for the next Inception commentary.
4: Oh, Uh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, don't touch that dial. I must
5: offer to you a confession. I like movies that give me a fright. If the subject is horror, I got to see more, or I won't be contented all night. You may call it my ghoulish obsession. It's a subject on which I get chatty. But the worst one, it seems, haunting all of my dreams, was the cockroach that ate Cincinnati. I've seen ghouls and hobgoblins and witches, and some moth-eaten werewolves with fangs. There were creatures that chattered and others that clattered. And Japanese monsters with fangs. Frankenstein gives me the shakes. Count Dracula's driving me batty. But they're not on a par with the worst one by far. The cockroach that ate Cincinnati. <laughs> there's there's four haws in the line. Oh, he must have needed a seltzer. It's amazing how much he got down. For lunch, he'd just chew up a suburb or two, and for dinner, he ate the whole town. Willard just sent me out laughing. I thought Ben looked a little bit ratty. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. But they're not half as bad as the worst scare I've had. The cockroach that ate Cincinnati. Oh, my heart nearly stopped. He would never be topped. The cockroach that ate Cincinnati. Holey. Virus. Holy.
0: Tonight. We're kicking off bopping a tragedy. So before we start the commentary, we're going to go over the official drink of the night, which normally I try and make good. But going with the idea of not living up to potential, I give you the Yahoo. You're going to take two ounces of YooHoo, one ounce of bourbon, and shake them over ice. And then you're going to drink this horrible chocolate milk concoction and think, there are better things I could have put in my body. Why am I drinking this? And you'll realize, oh, I'm watching Virus. Why am I watching this? Why am I drinking this? Why am I here? Is there a god? There are no good answers. Uh, I would like to thank Wired for giving me this idea. Uh, They were trying to compare tech companies to real-life alcohols, and this is what they came up with for the idea of Yahoo as a sentient drink. (laughs) So uh, let's see if this is as bad as it smells. Not
2: great. (laughs) (laughs) Cody, I am so glad we finally got to what I predicted during the Harry Potter commentary. And, you know, I thought it was going to take, like, uh, another terrible.
4: year. But it's, it happens. It's, it it's happens. an
0: amazing compliment where the uh, – the the I use chocolate milk because the one time I wanted you hoo in my life, it apparently vanished from the earth.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: the chocolate milk manages to just make the bourbon taste like alcohol without any of the good parts of bourbon. And the bourbon manages to make the chocolate milk taste like nothing.
2: I'm just glad you didn't say, Guys, I've decided to drink an entire canister of the Hunta virus.
4: <laughs> now, folks at home, um, since this is popular a Tragedy, we're going to do something a little bit different than what I usually tell you to do. What I want you to do with this particular chocolate milk drink <laughs> is I want you to make it. I want you to then put it on the counter, walk away. You can and just now we milk. wait... For your child to come into the room and think there's some <laughs> chocolate milk sitting out.
2: No
0: child would be dumb enough to smell that and go, "This is probably fine."
2: Then you put the car keys next to it and just leave the door open.
4: Kid, <laughs> He'll if take you can care hear this. the rest. <laughs> drink the chocolate milk. Steal your parents' car.
0: Uh, if I may jump into the deeper reason of why I picked out the drink, and just to sound like a complete tool, on top of having drunk really bad chocolate milk. I like the idea of a two drink, a two ingredient drink just to go along with a very simple bad movie because it shouldn't be overly complex. It shouldn't be overly done. And we're dealing with the whole horror of a virus being merged with flesh, uh, which is a good way to describe bourbon being grafted onto chocolate milk. Half and half and thoroughly disgusting. (laughs) So that
2: drink is Captain Donald Sutherland.
0: Oh, I have a new name. The official drink for tonight is the Captain Donald Sutherland. (laughs) Really, folks at home, just make yourself a white Russian. You'll be a lot happier.
2: Ah, boyos. Oh, my apologies.
0: I've been a terrible host. All this reminiscing and I've forgotten to freshen your drink up. All right, let me mix you something special. The Amaretto Sour, one of my personal favorite cocktails. We're going to need an ounce and a half of Amaretto Liquor three-fourths of an ounce bourbon, one ounce lemon juice, one teaspoon rich simple syrup. Uh, fun fact, the difference between simple syrup and rich simple syrup is the sugar to water ratio. So simple syrup is just one to one, but rich simple syrup is made using two parts sugar to one part water. There you go. Uh, and we'll also need a half ounce of egg white, beaten. Take all those ingredients, Throw them into a shaker with no ice. Shake them around a little bit. Just combine. Then go ahead and add ice back to the shaker. Shake again to chill it down. Strain into an ice-filled glass. Garnish with a cherry. And lastly, enjoy with... Deep Rising. Before we get down to business and start this commentary, I do want to go over the most fun part of the evening. The official drink. So this one, going along with the theme of Bop in a Tragedy, was a fucking pain in the ass. It has <laughs> two ingredients, two, and I thought that should be simple. There's not even anything complicated with the preparation of this drink. Uh, let me go over the Tiffany Blue Sparkler and how you make it. One, you get one ounce of hypnotic liquor, chilled, four ounces of any Moscato, chilled, you pour the hypnotic into a champagne flute, then you fill it with that four ounces of Moscato. Done. Simple. Should have been easy. I, I I went to, there was one liquor store anywhere near me that had hypnotic. It said it was in stock. I spent an hour in this Total Wine and More looking for the drink, and apparently someone must have bought it minutes before I got to the store, and it just didn't show up in inventory that it had been purchased. Uh, it was also on the bottom of like their cordial shelf hidden away so i'm I'm just like a a lunatic prowling the brandy aisle like is it here maybe it's in the cognacs nowhere to be found so to my great shame i had to find a substitute in this case i had to buy a bottle of kinky blue which uh let's put it this way if you go to the kinky blue website instead of rewarding you with a normal hey are you over 21 there's a sign that says Hey, you over twenty-one? And the options are
2: nah or yes, with like thirty A's.
4: <laughs> and I,
2: I feel like either of those answers is wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like
0: I, the second I put my hands on it, I got dirty looks. Uh, it's delicious, by the way. I, I, ju- I could drink this straight. Uh, it's vodka with wild berries and mango, and it's colored blue to make it fun. This shit is delicious. Anyways, if you dump those two together, you get a kind of sea blue liquid that's uh, carbonated from the Moscato. I got a Fos Marai Dulce Real. You can tell I drink wine all the time. Sparkling wine Moscato. It came in the fanciest glass. So, in my mind, this is a simple drink. You have blue like the ocean. Bubbles rising from the deep of the glass. See what I did? Deep rising. Folks, uh... We can cut past all the bullshit about the theme of the wine and how it kind of goes in with the party that all the crew folk are having at the start of the film. This shit is just a tangy tropical delight. It is delicious.
2: <laughs> you got paid off by the Moscato people, in New you,
0: <laughs> I don't even like wine, but this is good. Oh, man. This, this is actually a very easy to make drink and delicious. I don't know what it'd be like with a hypnotic. I think that one's more pineapple than mango. But there you have it, folks. The Tiffany Blue Sparkler. Box Office Pulp recommends getting trashed on these while watching Deep Rising.
2: <laughs> I like how procuring the ingredients for that was your own personal West Studi being eaten by a giant squid. It was a nightmare. Ugh. I might still be there. I'm afraid I'm going to wake up
0: and be in like their bathroom like I just passed out from anger.
5: Oh, viewer, you look tired. Why don't you lay back, relax? By the way, how many fingers do you think you'd need? All of them? Ten just seems like so many. Some of them have to be wasting away on the vine, so to speak. Anyways, why not share and share alike, no? What's a dish or two between friends, especially after enjoying so much of my hospitality? Or what about a little bit of liver? Did you know the liver is the only organ that can regenerate itself? quarter portion liver can regenerate back to full size. It's almost magic. It's practically disposable. (sighs) Viewer. Viewer, wait. Where are you going?
2: Come back.
5: You have so much left to share. Fine, get the hell out of here.
0: Oh well, if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out the rest of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Blogger, Facebook, or Twitter. Just look for Box Office Pulp.
1: Good night, everybody. And like that, Event Horizon is gone. Man
0: is at sea space. The same thing the doctor told me. Anyways, before we get into this commentary, (laughs) <laughs> I think everybody at home should make a drink to go along with this. Uh, this was based off of a real drink, but I didn't write down the name. So I changed some of the ingredients, and now I'm just calling it the Event Horizon, and I'm pretending I invented it. Awesome. What you're going to want to do, start off with five blackberries, one and a half ounces of gold rum, a half ounce of allspiced ram, three-fourths ounce simple syrup, three-fourths ounce fresh lemon juice, half an ounce of egg white, This part is your choice. I went with a couple of different food dyes mixed together to make the drink black. But you could also get one bar spoon of activated charcoal. And then for a garnish, uh, three dashes of Angostura bitters. So what you're going to do, get yourself a cocktail shaker, drop in the blackberries, muddle those up. Then add all the remaining ingredients besides the bitters and dry shake it. So no ice, just shake it. Uh, About 20 seconds, you want to get the egg whites nice and foamy. Then pop open the shaker, add some ice, shake vigorously until it's chilled. Then you're going to double strain that into a uh, coupe glass and garnish it with three dashes of bitters. Uh, drop in the food dye if you haven't already and get it to the right color you want. What I was going for was a nice deep black with a little bit of hint of red. Because space horror, blood in space. Uh, and the foamy top kind of makes it look like you know the cosmos, man. I also added a little bit of silver powder, uh, edible silver powder. Please don't just take flakes of silver uh, and mix it in there, too. So I got a sparkly black, red, foamy mix, and it looks like the Milky Way galaxy to me. It's delicious. Uh, Besides that, thematically, I don't have much to say. Uh, It's a black cocktail for a horror movie set in space.
2: (laughs) I just uh, had a suggestion since you had a little trouble with the name. Call it The Star's My Destination. I have no bitters, and I must drink. (laughs) That's a touch of class to that edible silver.
0: (laughs) We're just going to have a list of drink pun names next time, and that's going to determine what our commentaries are for. Didn't we already do Star Wars? Yeah, I don't care, but I have an Ewok pun I have to use. Hair of the Ewok or Hair of the Wookiee. Either one I think works pretty well.
4: Now, folks, what I want you to do with this particular drink is I want you to make it walk out of your house. Don't drink it. Don't drink it yet. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, you
0: want to drink it, Mike. This one's delicious.
4: Walk out of your house. It's a brisk, brisk Wednesday afternoon. Make sure it's a Wednesday afternoon. Walk down, down the sidewalk, down a ways. Find the nearest park. Like a park. It's beautiful. It's sunny out. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. What you do is I want you to stand there, you know, gaze around, spy an old elderly person sitting on a bench. I want you go up to that, that elderly, elderly person who's lived a long, long life many experiences you could learn from. What you do is just grab that old person by the hair, pull their jaw open the next thing. Like, after you've startled them, pull their jaw open, and force-feed them this drink. All while saying, you will now meet the dark inside of you. This is Box Office Pulp
0: Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast Production. Now, please, 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 Put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight.
4: And now, on with the show.